but we now are, are keeping on keeping on with Galatians. And so we're, we're going in, in chapter five here. Today, we kind of got a, a, a transitionary passage, if you will. But before we do, I just, I have a confession uh, to make. And so it, it, here it is. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, I've been here 20 years now in, in, in Bend, and I have never floated the river. Whoa, that's a lot of judgment coming at me there. Okay, I'm, I'm, changing, I'm changing the passages now. Uh, <laughs> I've never floated the river, never done it. Never intentionally uh, said, you know, never said like, I will never float that river. Okay, I'm not against just floating rivers, right? I've done it before, just not like that river. And I've never done the, the thing, you know? Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange deal. I, I almost kind of hold it as a, you know, badge of honor right now because there's people who have, you know, spent maybe a day here and already done it three times, you know, and I'm like, never once. And so kind of funny, but, uh, you know, I, I am, I am familiar with the floating process, right? You just, you just stick a, stick an inflatable something. I've seen unicorns and swans and things like that, like whole cities that you can put on the water evidently. Um, cause you can pretty much walk across the inflatables this time of year. It seems like everybody's doing them, but, but, uh, but you know, I'm familiar, you just kind of put it in and then you just, you just let the river do what it does and you just kind of go, right? You get left or right or, you know, whatever, you just kind of go. And there's always a couple spots that people get caught up in, I can see, you know, by, by the, the spillways or things like that. And, uh, but you're just kind of, you know, at the mercy of, of the current. And some people, you know, stick their hands in every now and then just kind of, you know, paddle around or some not at all. Uh, some are just full on, you know, paddles and all that. But if you just let it go, you just kind of, put, you know, doing what they call drifting. You're just, you're just, you're just going and you just kind of go where it takes you. And, and sometimes that's, you know, a good thing. And, and sometimes it's not, uh, you know, sometimes you can go into pop your, your thing, or you can just anchor in and watch a concert. I don't know if you guys have, have done that. I've seen a lot of people do that. It's kind of a neat, you can just, just go right there. It's kind of great. Uh, but, but, it, but what's interesting is just the, the idea of, of the drift, the idea of the, the sitting on the river, whatever, you know, forces move you in whichever direction they move you you go. So the wind's blowing a certain way, you're probably going to be pushed that way. The current's going a certain way, you're probably going to be going that way. You know, the ocean is a more dramatic, uh, you know, illustration of that where, you know, you're in the ocean, you're clearly, you're getting, you're getting pushed and pulled up, down, left, right, wherever. Uh, and, and you're just, you're kind of the mercy. If you put out no effort, if you have no driving force, if you have no, you know, oar in the water or anything like, you're just going to go, you're just going to drift. And, and what's interesting is, is uh, I see the same concept played out in our spiritual life is drifting. The, the idea of the spiritual drift, the idea that, that, that we would allow our faith to, to drift or to move further uh, away from God, be it, uh, you know, uh, willful, willful uh, ignorance or neglect, the spiritual drift is a thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that happens where if we put out no effort, if we put out no, no, have no um, driving, directing, um, guiding anything, we just kind of go wherever it is the, the, the powers that are around us will push us. You know, the, in Hebrews, the, the author of Hebrews addresses this, and Hebrews 2 says, uh, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So there's, a, there's clearly a spiritual concern there and a spiritual illustration there of like, hey, we, got, we need to pay attention to what we've been taught or there's a possibility that we'll drift. 
And when I look at Galatians thus far, when we looked at the first, you know, uh, we're getting, we're at the beginning of the fifth chapter, I see this spiritual drift played out. That, that's essentially what Paul, to this point, is addressing, is the idea that the Galatians have, uh, people in the, in the region of Galatia have, have, have drifted away. Have kind of have kind of you know be it neglect or or open accepting of of you know false false teaching they drift. In fact, we know that because let's look at a couple of key verses that where Paul addresses it. Galatians one six. He says, "I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting, inferring you know they were once there, now they left." Galatians three one, and then a part of of three. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Are, are you so foolish? So, so he's addressing there, hey, you were here, but you've been then tricked and somebody got you to, to make some foolish decisions. 4.9, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world? There's an idea that the Galatians were there, were, were with God or, or, or we're, we're uh, you know, uh, to use a, if you know Pastor Randy, he always says like, are you tracking with me? Like they were tracking, they were tracking with Paul. And, and then they weren't. He goes away, comes back, what's happening? What did you guys do? What, what, I, wasn't I just here? Weren't we just fine? They had drifted. They had drifted. Uh, it, it's a real problem. It's a real problem, and not just for Galatians, but, but I think it is for, for us as well. I, I've seen it in my own life. There's times where you just, if you're not, if, you're not, if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not intentionally kind of, you know, looking at God, like, I, I, I'll drift. And I think you've probably seen the same, had times in your life. If we're sitting down and honest, we'll probably have the same times there. And so today's real relevant. Uh, chapter five is very relevant and, it, and, and it, there's a lot in there for us. So, you know, don't, don't sit down and think, hey, I can't wait for this other person to hear this because they've like drifted super far, but not me. No, no, I'm talking to you because I'm talking to me. This is good stuff. Let's, let's, let's dive in here. Let's look at the first verse. Now this verse, verse five, one, we're in chapter five, verse one. This, this verse by theologians is, is kind of recognized as the verse that summarizes Galatians. So it's great. So it's kind of neat that we have this like in the middle representing this transitionary time that I'll unpack a little bit more. We got five, one says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So you can kind of see this, 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 this for, for freedom's sake, Christ set us free. So we've been set free. So you don't need to go back to the yoke of slavery. There's an implication here. There's a statement on freedom and there's an implication on freedom. The statement on freedom is that we have been set free. For freedom, we have, we have been set free. The implication is um, that, that, there's, that there's a real danger in going back to what they used to be. Now that, in our case, with this, is the old Mosaic law. The Old Testament, the, the, the same Mosaic law that Jesus fulfilled, they're, they're being pulled or drifting back to the old Mosaic law. And so he's saying, but we got freedom in that. We don't need to go back to that. You've been set free. So, so, so what is going back to that? Going back to that means they, they, would, they would say, hey, we still believe in Jesus. However, I kind of like these aspects of Judaism. I kind of like these things that they used to do in the old law that, that marked us as like good, good, 
good Christians or as, or as, as, uh, as religious. I kind of like these other things. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hold on to this because that makes me look good. I'm gonna hold on to that because that, that makes me look good. So what they've done is they've taken Jesus. They've taken the, the, the his, you know, forgiveness on the cross. They've taken all that and said, okay, that's, that's good, but it's really not enough. I'm gonna, add, I'm, I'm gonna bring some other stuff into it. That's what they're doing. And so, and so the implication for, for them is that, is that they had this freedom and they've gone away from it. And so Paul uses this, this, this term, yoke, the yoke of slavery. Now, it, it's very intentional. His, his words are very intentional. The word yoke, we look at it a lot of times as, as a negative, as, as a negative. The, 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 what a yoke is, is not the yellow part of an egg. That is yoke, but not the yoke, you know, because, I mean, I guess you could be a slave to that, but it's, that'd be weird. But the yoke here is, it's talking about how you would basically attach a couple animals together that needed to go in the same direction, do the same thing. They did not have any freedom to move anywhere, to go anywhere other than the exact place where, where the person driving them put them. You are, you, are, you are partnered up with whatever animals on that side, probably the same kind of animal, I'm guessing, and you would just go, you just go wherever they, they took you. you. You can't separate. You, you are one and the same. You're just, you're stuck there going the direction someone's telling you you to go. And, and, so, and so the yoke then to uh, Jewish religious leaders, the, the yoke of the law was a positive thing. They're like, hey, uh, yeah, I am attached to the, to the law, the old law. All those rules, 600 odd rules, I'm attached to those rules. And that's a great thing because I can do it. So I'm, a, I'm good. I'm awesome. I'm a good person. Look at me. That was the problem with the Pharisees, Sadducees, like that, that whole you know, group of religious leaders is they were so bent on how awesome they were and looking the part that they said, you know, the, the yoke of the law, this is great because we can do it. Okay, but, but, but Paul does not say the yoke of the law. He uses the term slavery, the yoke of slavery, identifying the old law because Jesus had fulfilled it as slavery. You are a slave to that because you can't be good enough. I can't be good enough. We can't be good enough to fulfill the Old Testament. That's the point of it. We need a savior, Jesus. He came, set, set us free from that slavery. So, so that's taken care of, but these guys just keep going back to it. They, they, they keep going back to it. And so... Slavery, the slavery is not slavery of like, you know, that they're, they're in, in, a, in a, you know, controlled physically necessarily, but rather like spiritually, they're trying to follow these old, old laws. And so Paul uses a verbiage that's going to cut and they're going to understand and they get what he's saying. So here's the first, the, the, one of the points I want us to get today is this, that freedom found in Christ leads us to obey God and not ourselves. Now, let me, let me read that because it may sound a little paradoxical at, at first. Freedom found in Christ leads us to obey God and not ourselves. Now, that's a, that's, that's a weird thought that somehow freedom could lead to obedience. Well, I, I thought of this as, as I'm writing this. I, when, when I was, uh, got my, my freedom, right? You graduate high school, had the car, had the job, you know, moving out. All of a sudden, you just, you have this freedom. And one of the, one of the, one of the, you know, most difficult thing for a kid living in a home to deal with is the kind of food that their parents get. They, they, they get like cereal, like grape nuts. It's awful, <laughs> terrible. I don't know who's doing that, who's getting, making grape nuts, but just stop. <laughs> you know, they, 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 my, my parents buy cornflakes because my mom had a coupon. So it's like, it was cornflakes. Now I'm like, mom, they make those with like frosting on them. Like, like they're frosted flakes. Like they they're better, you know? It's like, there's all these things. I'm like, mom, you know, it's like all this food and all, I want to go out to eat all the time and I want to have all these things. And I was like, like when, I'm, when I was, you know, on my own, free, I had a job, I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Like, I'm going, I'm eating what I want. I'm going where I want. Like, this is great freedom. Then you get, you know, the check. 
or, or you get the receipt, or you see a price tag, and you're like, huh, this stuff uh, costs a lot of money. Now, I, you know, I had this moment where, where you know, I, I just realized all of a sudden I'm free, and I'm able to kind of buy what I want, go where I want, all kinds of stuff, and then, then uh, I'm like, well, this is a bit much. I don't have that much money. This is kind of expensive. I think back, well, you know, my parents, you know, they were, they were doing the Dave Ramsey thing before it was cool, before Dave Ramsey was even, like, around. Like, we had envelopes with, like, like cash in them and stuff, which is, I'm like, who does that? That was weird growing up, but then I'm like, it makes a lot of sense. We had the food one and the whatever, you know, all the different ones and stuff. And, and so I actually kind of reverted to a lot of the things that my parents did back then because I'm like, I can't afford to just eat what I want, where I want, and buy this kind of, you know, food or that kind of food. And so I, it's, it's funny, through my freedom, I actually ended up going back to a more, you know, rigid system. I'm not like the greatest, I'm not like, it's like a dialed, you know, you know, financial advisor now by any stretch of the, of the means. My wife's like laughing at me hear that, but it's like, but I'm like, but, but it's funny because I, I kind of had a moment where I could have just gone, gone off and just gone crazy. However, I, I actually ended up becoming a little more like, like pulled in and tight around that. So freedom made me obey more. And so I think with Christ, we we're, we're, when we're free and we actually experience that freedom in Christ, it actually makes us want to, want to respond to the one who gave us the freedom. That's what worship is, us responding to the one who gave us freedom. So we actually end up obeying out of, out of love for that. It actually kind of turns it around. It's kind of a unique concept. And so what's interesting is are the two things that we're free, we're free. We're, we're free from and we're free to, right? We're free, free from things and we're free to do things. The things we're, fr- we're free from, penalty of sin, shame of sin, the, the law following that giant list of rules and having to like earn our way to do these things, we're free from that. Christ died. We're, we're free. I, I accept that. Then I'm free. I'm also free to be with God. I can experience God through living the way he wants to here, but also I'm going to be with God in heaven. Like, like that's, you talk about freedom and the peace that that brings and then the freedom that I have through that. It's amazing. I'm also free to live by the spirit. I'm guided by a Holy Spirit in us when we accept Christ. We are guided by that. Now, we're going to unpack that next week. Pastor Brian's going to do, you know, fruit of the Spirit. He gets, like, the happy fun sections, right? I mean, it's going to get weird here in a sec. You'll see. But, like, but like you know, that we're going to be able to live by the Spirit. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. And then also freedom to love others. Like, God loved us. Like, I can then love others as well. So, so there's some freedom to and, and freedom from certain things. Let, let, let's keep going. Verse 2. Verse 2, Paul says, look. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Okay, what, so if you're, if you're just joining us, that whole idea of circumcision, it, it, it's, it's the idea that, that the circumcision was a marker that made you or showed you to be Jewish, that showed you to be like a really, really, like you were following the rules, you were doing things, you were just, if you did this thing. So what was happening is the people who were following Christ were told, hey, it's great that you follow Christ, but you also need to do this. Do this thing that then marks you as a, as a Jew, and, and, and then you're going to be okay. And then they would add other things. So when Paul says like circumcision, what he's really saying is these added things that we put in there. So he's saying, if you add that, first of all, you add one of those, one part of the law, you're, you got to add it all because the law was like a, like a package deal. You know, you get, you, you get one thing, you get it all. And, and he's saying, so if you do that also, what Jesus did on the cross was, was pointless. 
for you. It was because you've just rejected it. You've just said, you know, that, that you believe in Christ, faith alone, but it's not faith alone. It's faith plus all these other things. So Paul's addressing that saying, you, you, you can't just keep adding things in there. You, you can't just keep adding in there. You rejecting Christ has actual consequences. There's actual ramifications to that. You can't just have this cornucopia of, of spirituality that you just mix and be like, I'm gonna take the best part of every single religion that's out there and that's gonna be great. But, but the problem is Jesus claims to be the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's a fairly exclusive phrase. And so all of a sudden, when you accept a part of the law, you're saying, not just I want to take this other aspect, but you're saying, that means I'm rejecting this over here. Whether you, whether you realize it or not, you've rejected through faith alone, through, through grace alone, you've rejected that by accepting a, a worldly ideal. And so you're, you know, Paul's just saying, listen, you got, just so you guys get it, you, you take a little, you got to take the whole thing. And when you take this, that means what Jesus did, it, it, you're, not, you're rejecting that, essentially. You're, you're, you're rejecting that. They've become extra biblical, meaning they've taken what Jesus taught and they've just added to it. Now, now I know, you know, modern day, we would never do anything quite like that to become extra biblical. What are we saying? The people need to, you know, wear this or don't wear, or wear that, or, you know, you have to act this certain way or vote this certain way or be this certain way in order to be looked at as, as a positive Christian. That doesn't apply to us, right? Well, no, I think it does. I think it does. Whether it's, whether it's uh, you know, intentional or unintentional, we do that. We, we in the Christian church have a tendency to, to, to drift that way as well. Let's keep going in verse five. We, we, we see a little bit of a shift in Paul's talking here. He goes from you, 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 Galatians to a little different tone. See if you, you can get it. Verse five, for through the spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Paul makes a shift from you, Galatians, to we. Fellow believers, fellow Christians. See, through, through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Now, he emphasizes that the, 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 the faith and the hope. What I want you to point out here is, is look at that. That's, he, he talks about the Spirit by, by faith. He talks about eagerly wait for hope. And then the very end, he talks about, but only faith working through love, faith, hope, and love. Now, if you spent time in scriptures, you know that that's a, that's a pattern that, that shows up. Paul uses those three things. It's a, it's a progression. It's a, it's a progression that explains a bit of the Christian belief that, that we have faith, that, that, that we have hope, and, 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 and the love. You see, what, what, what he did there is the, took the Jewish perspective, which was that the Messiah is still gonna come. So their hope and their faith is in this, is this Messiah to come, that's gonna come, they hadn't come. Not, they didn't think Jesus was it. It was, he's still coming. So they, their hope and their faith was still out there. And Paul's saying, no, no, Christ is that fulfillment. So, so he says, you know, uh, in that section that, you know, by faith, we observe eagerly and wait for, for the hope of righteousness, that the, the Jesus had come and the righteousness of his second coming. And so, and so we see Paul kind of getting layering up here a little bit, talking to the Jewish leaders, uh, where where they, you know, the Jewish leaders still waiting for the Messiah. Christ came. 
And so, and so, you know, we, we together as Christians, we eagerly await that second coming where Jesus will come and, and we'll be with him. Let's go, keep going, verse seven. So he kind of switches to that we that goes back to, verse seven, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Here's where it gets weird. I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. Okay? Okay. Okay, so, uh, you know, Pastor Brandon always says, if the, if the Bible says it, we'll say it. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit here in a sec. Thank goodness there's, you know, theologians and commentaries that help make sense of, of, of this passage. But, but here's, here's what he's, he's recognizing. Listen, there's somebody out there who's, who's hindered you. Somebody has intentionally misled you. Somebody has gone out there and said, you know, just, it's not just faith in Jesus, it's Jesus plus other things. And so Paul's laying out, whoever this is, whoever this is, that they're a real problem because the truth matters. The truth is a thing. We can't, the, 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 the truth is a thing. Right now, it's so popular to say things like my truth and your truth. And I'm like, that, that, I mean, I, you know, I get it. You know, in the sense of my truth, I'm bald, okay? That's my truth, okay? Just because that is true, right? Just having, it's not, maybe not yours, but like, but like that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about like, like we've, we've now taken the idea of a truth, that something can be true. And we've, and we've, we, we, we've uh, watered it down, distorted it, redefined it. The definition of truth is, is pretty, pretty clear. It should make a lot of sense. It says that, with, that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. Okay? Accordance with fact or reality. So when, when Paul is seeing people come in and start, and start saying, no, no, the, the, this isn't the truth truth. You know, the truth is, is different and, and they're going to twist it and twist it and twist it. Paul's kind of coming back bringing them back in and saying, whoever's doing this, it's, it's not true. And, and listen, they, they, they're, God will, will have a punishment for them. I wish they would just stop. And, and you know what? If they're going to preach circumcision, if they're going to say that you need to be circumcised to, to you know, be, be a part of this, then you should just go ahead and, and just, just chop the whole thing. That's what he's saying here. Now, first read, you're kind of like, okay, that's a little bit like, is he like, is that like locker room humor? Is he just kind of being angry? Is he just kind of being like, you know, dramatic or, you know, maybe he's out of control, a little, you know, feisty. We knew Paul was passionate. Uh, no, he's not. He's not. He's very, this, this meant something to them. You know, they, they didn't, they didn't like giggle at this the way I do when I read it. Okay. Cause I'm not mature, but the people who read this were like, okay, hold on, Paul, like you need to, you need to pump the brakes on that because what he's telling them, this is like his most strongest, strongest rebuke yet. And kind of it marks the last part where we get the rebukes in Galatians. We get to the, we get to the live by the spirit next, but this is the biggest rebuke because what he's telling these, these uh, 
people who were, who were Jewish leaders who had prestige in, the, in Judaism, who had, you know, who, who loved it, were, were probably pretty good at it, being, being Jewish. They were, they were then pulling other Christians aside. He was saying, okay, if you want to hold to this circumcision thing, then, then you need to go so far as to practice this emasculation, which was a pagan practice, which was, which was, which was pagan worship. There were, back then, there were uh, cults that would do that. And so he says, not only is that Judaism as, as, as the religion, it was fulfilled by Jesus, so it's no longer, but, but what you're making this is pagan. What you're making this is no better than these, these other weird tribes out there that are, that are, are um, practicing this same thing and in, in Deuteronomy, and the people he was talking to knew this, Deuteronomy 23 says that if you, if you were emasculated, you could not enter the house of the Lord for worship. There's a lot in that verse. They were ticked. They didn't giggle. They were like, what do you think you're doing? How dare you, Paul, say that about us? That's a crazy statement. Paul's like, all right, this is it. The, there you are. This, you guys are just, you're just pagans. You who are teaching this are just pagans. Now, this is not, a, you know, like, like di- differences in theology that we can kind of like take a different view on. You know, there's always the battle in Christianity, once saved, always saved, or, you know, you could lose your salvation. There's, there's those debates that the Bible, God-fearing, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving folk, can, we, we can agree to disagree on. This is not what these guys were teaching. These guys were teaching the anti-gospel. And so what you have is uh, a group of Galatians who, who, They've drifted because they haven't paid attention to their faith. They haven't, they haven't done their due diligence and all of a sudden they start to accept some of this stuff and, and they've drifted. And so, you know, I, I, I want to, if, if you didn't get it from Galatians, I compiled a list, uh, five how-tos on how to drift. Just in case you're wondering how you can drift, uh, here's your five great ways to do it. Okay, here you go. Take a note. You, you should definitely take notes on this. How to drift. Step one, hear the truth, but don't listen. Okay, that, that, that one's easy, you know, but you got to like hear the words of what the gospel is and then just ignore it. Okay, guys seem to do this a lot with what their wives say, you know, and I was like, wait, what did you say again? What, what was that? You know, you should like, I told you, I do that all the time. I'm not good at it, but you know, spiritually, hear the truth and just forget it. That's great. Step one, that will get you drifted in no time. Second one is just neglect your Bible. Okay, make sure to have it out on your coffee table, but don't touch it, don't open it, just leave it there. The bigger the Bible, the better, but don't open it. Neglect your Bible. You're going to be drifting so quick. It's going to be great. Just drifting so quick. Number, thir- number three, third way to drift. Uh, just believe that Jesus isn't enough. So you can believe in Jesus, but just that, yeah, he didn't quite do everything I need. He isn't quite everything I need. Just, you know, so, so just, you know, think that and add more to it, and then you'll start drifting, okay? If you don't, if you don't haven't got it yet, there's two more. And if you can't tell, these are, some of these are actually from, uh, they're, they're from Galatians earlier. Two, uh, just try to be super good at all things you do. And then I, I forgot to put this up there, but, um, but tell people about it also. <laughs> so if we, if we can just be really good and like look like a super good Christian, then, then that will help us drift because we'll think we've arrived when we haven't. So that's a good way too. And then finally, this is like an ultimate list. You can make t-shirts out of this if you want to. Um, number five is just do nothing, like at all. And you're fine. All those things put together, even one of the things that will help you drift away from God super fast because uh, these are all the things that happened to, to Israelites. They happened to the Galatians. They didn't, they, didn't, uh, they didn't listen to the truth. 
You know, they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't dig into their scriptures and really know what they were dealing with or else they would have fought this thing. They didn't, they didn't believe that Jesus, you know, was enough. They needed more. They also didn't believe that, uh, that, that uh, or they believed that they, could, they needed to be super good and to let people know, and they thought doing nothing was gonna take care of it, but that, they're wrong. They're wrong. So, here, so, so that's tongue-in-cheek. That's like showing the, the glitter, but here's the point of today is this is that freedom is found in Jesus and it is sustained through our response. See, because Jesus has done the work on the cross, we accept that, but then we also have some skin in the game where we actually have to react to it. We gotta do something about it. We can't just hear it. We gotta actually like act on it. And so I, I came up with actually five, you know, good things that we can do to, to avoid spiritual. Now, here's my hope. There's, there's, there's five things here. That's a lot. Normally three point sermons, five points, it's like, you know, almost like, I don't know how much, 75% better than a three point sermon. But just one of these, I'm praying one of these will stick. Like one of these is something you can kind of hold on to. And then the first is, is how we can avoid a drift is this. The first one is that we hear truth and we act on it. So it's that idea that I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear, like I'm gonna read a scripture and then I'm gonna try to apply it. Now that might be like, you know, it's not a mind blowing, come on, but, but honestly, isn't that what all, like what discipline is? Spiritual discipline, we read what the scripture says and we just gotta apply it. You know, we look at Jesus says, everyone who, who hears these words and puts them into, into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. I mean, James even says, you know, um, it's not just good enough to, to hear the word and, and deceive yourself that you're holy, but you just gotta do what it says. The next thing is that, that what we have to do is to actually dig into God's word. You have got to get into your Bible in one way, shape, or form. It's just got to happen. But you can listen to it. Right? There's, there's, pod, there's podcasts. There's, there's you know, audio. Um, you know, all, all the Bible apps that you have on your thing have like an audio feature. The guy's got like an amazing voice. I don't know if you've like listened to it, but like amazing voice. Just hit that go button. Like you can get it that way. You can read it. You know, physical Bible. Crazy, right? Uh, do that. Uh, there's so many ways that we can consume the Bible, but the fact is we've got to get in it one way, shape, or form. You are responsible. You are responsible for your understanding. Of, of the Bible. Now, now the church comes alongside and we try and like, you know, we try to preach out of the word and give you things to talk about, but you have got to be the one that does it. Colossians 3.16, Paul says that they don't let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, that we got to let the word of Christ dwell in our hearts. You can't dwell in somewhere you aren't you got to be there. So the, 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 we got to have God's word in us in order to have it dwell in us. Three, remember, or I should say rather, know that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. His work on the cross is enough. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. His work is on the cross, his forgiveness is enough. You can't do anything good enough to convince Jesus, oh, okay, you're, you're, you are a good guy. You know, you, you, it, it's been done. He loves us so much that he sacrificed himself for us. And that's it. So stop trying to earn it. Now we're gonna live our life as a response to that because we're so thankful for this forgiveness that man, I'm gonna, re, I'm gonna react to it, right? But Jesus is enough. Number four, remember 
that, that I can't be good enough. Only God is good. Only God is good. The only thing that's good in us is that we somehow, some way reflect God's goodness. Mark, Jesus, in Mark, Jesus says that no one is good except God alone. Like we can't, you know, we might be able to convince a couple people. They might think that we're a good Christian because we do some posts on, you know, on social media. We have a verse post or, you know, we do some hashtag blessed stuff. But, but it, it, like we can convince people. It's, it's not hard to convince people you're, you're, you're super spiritual or good, but like that's not the point. Like, we, like the, the authenticity is what matters to God and we have to authentically follow him. Um, it's not for anybody else. It's just between us and God. That's so, so we have to remember that it's not our goodness that matters. It's, it's the God is good. The God we follow is good. And finally is, is, you know, one of the more important is that we have to actively pursue God. The, the, the key word there's actively. Like we, we have to, we, we're the ones that got to do the footwork. We're the ones. We're the ones that got to do it. We can't. We can't. You know, Amazon next day order spiritual maturity, right? It's not going to happen. Can't. It's not going to come. It, it, it's something that we actually have to be invested in this thing. Philippians three says, says thirteen says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do: forgetting what lies behind, straining forward. To what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who hear, those who are mature, think this way. Paul is saying here that the, the, the mature believer never stops pursuing that goal, that, that being like Christ. It, you, never, you, you never stop pursuing that. But, but if, if, if you're drifting, if, I'm, if the times when I've been drifting, I'm not pursuing that, right? The times I'm, I'm drifting, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just sitting there, not paying attention. So, so we've got to be actively pursuing God. So I'm, I'm gonna kind of reiterate the, the, the point of this just to, as kind of a reminder, we're kind of gonna start closing. The worship team's gonna come out. We're gonna sing one last kind of response song. It's a beautiful song that they that is a good prayer for us. But, but the last point was this, that freedom is found in Jesus and is sustained through our response. Ask yourself today if, if, if you've drifted. Like, ha- have you drifted? You know, sometimes it takes just looking around, like looking at, looking at yourself and saying, hey, like, where am I really? Like, have I been drifting? Like, I don't, I don't feel like I have, but may- maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But, but it's a good chance and good opportunity for us this morning to take one of those five things and just to say, just to say, I, I need to do that. Whether it's, whether it's applying a verse, whether it's getting into God's word, whether it's just you knowing that, that Jesus is enough so you don't have to be good enough. You don't have to keep trying to impress people. You can just, you can just, just pursue God authentically. Or if it's that you need to, you, your, your spiritual walk has been super lazy and you've done nothing. I want, I want to take a chance for us to, to, to reflect. So let's, let's pray. And would you stand with me as, as, as we pray and we kind of close this time? God, our, our, our freedom comes from you, Lord Jesus. That, that freedom that is, is the forgiveness of our sins, the, the freedom to not pay the penalty for those sins, and the, and the freedom, God, that we have to, to love you and not have that shame that comes with all that sin. Lord, you've forgiven us. God, may we live our life as a response to that. May, may we understand, God, that we 
need to engage our faith. Lord, you've done the work, but we can't sit back. We can't sit back and just drift. So for those in this room, Lord, of us that, that have maybe been drifting, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would penetrate our hearts and let us know if we have and how we have. And then give us the, the, the discernment to, to come back to you. Lord, it's easy to drift because it takes no effort at all, God, but, but um, it, it takes real fortitude to pursue you and to humbly, um, to humbly accept, Lord, how we need to change. So Lord, may this, this last song, this, this you know, beautiful, familiar song, may this be our prayer to you and may you speak through it uh, to our hearts, Lord, even though we're singing this to you, God, I pray that it would be something that, that stirs our hearts um, as well and that you would give us a clarity and a focus as we go from here, Lord. So we give this song to you, Lord. We ask this in your name.